You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Let's get into it this morning. So this morning we're going to continue the series in the attributes of God, as you probably all could guess. Um, and today we're going to be diving in a bit deeper today. So today we're going to be looking at one of the most important attributes that concerns our salvation. It's one of the foundational truths of all Christian theology. And we're going to be diving into the sovereignty of God and that he's sovereign over all things. So getting straight into it. Sorry, my laptop's just playing up a bit. So getting straight into it, if you are to look up the word sovereignty in the dictionary, you get words of supreme power or authority, authority of state to govern itself or another state, or dominion and authority. And all these things are true when it comes to the sovereignty of God. And we say that God is sovereign, we are saying God reigns in all aspects. He is the ruler of all things. And not over all things, but he's the ruler over himself. No one controls God. He is the ruler of all creation. He is the ruler of heaven and hell. There is no one or thing that could ever get, get in the way of God. Eason's Bible Dictionary defines the sovereignty of God to mean as, he, as a, his right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. There's not a single thing that, that has authority over God. And God's authority... Authority over all things is sovereign in all aspects. The God of old is the God of now and is the God for all eternity. God has not disconnected himself from this world for a time, but he, like in Bible times, he's still the same and has the same authority that he had. Nothing has changed. As we've looked in before, God is an unchanging God. He is the God of old, what is the God of now, and will be the God in all eternity. God still has full authority over all situations in life. God is the king of all things. As Paul puts it in 1 Timothy 1.17, what says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honour and the glory forever and ever. We see in this verse, Paul gives glory to God and saying he is the only king of all the ages. He states he is eternal. And with us knowing that God is unchanging, he'll be the king for all eternity. The Lord reigns. In Psalm 93, the psalm is actually physically titled, The Lord Reigns. And it says, The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty, the Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods are lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, mightier than thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness benefits your house, O forevermore, O Lord. 
So in this psalm, it talks about the world being established and that God's throne is from old and that he is from everlasting as before creation. There was Before creation, there was God, his throne, he reigned, and with creation of the earth, nothing has changed. He reigns over all creation. The psalm also states that God is mightier than thunder waters, mightier than the waves and the sea. If you think think of these things back in the days of the Israelites, thunderous waters and mighty waves were images of uncontrollable chaos. And these and the, these words are saying that God is mightier than uncontrollable chaos. He is, um, it's an amazing thing to think about, no matter what happens. And even when we're not in control, God is still mightier. He still has full, full authority over every situation. There is no such thing as uncontrollable chaos with God, as he is in control of all. The psalm talks about God reigning, and he does reign. He is in full sovereign, full sovereignty in all situations. If you read through the psalms, it's written all through the psalms that the trend that the Lord reigns paints an image of his sovereignty. And I encourage you to read your psalms and find them and um, see what the word says about God's sovereignty. But if we quickly jump to Isaiah 46, 9 to 13. What says? Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times things not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I spoke, and I, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart. You are who, who are far from righteous. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I'll put salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. So if we, it's a pretty cool psalm, uh, sorry, not psalm, it's a pretty cool chapter in Isaiah. If we concentrate on verse 10, it says, my counsel, uh, counsel will stand and I'll accomplish my purpose. Just keep that in mind in a second, for a second, and we're going to jump to another chapter just to help with some context to this. So if we jump to Ephesians 1, 9 to 12. What says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained inheritance and have been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that who, so we who were first to hope in Christ might be pray, be to the praise of his glory. So we read here in Ephesians 11, uh, Ephesians 1.11, it talks about the counsel of God. Just bear with me for a sec because we're getting somewhere with this. But as we've learned from previous things, who can counsel God? Who can give counsel to God? Or who gives advice to God? To find it, So this can be a bit confusing for some people, but to find out the answer, we need to go back before creation. Before creation, there was God, and we know that. There was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And that, this is God's counsel. 
that before the earth was even created, God got together and went through every possible situation, and that's how the whole eternity will play out. As we see in Ephesians, that it says, it says that through the counsel of his will, God, before the earth was created, stepped out how everything will play out, and the exact and they planned exactly how it was going to play. He was going to have, through that counsel of himself, he worked out the precise and perfect plan out, play out, plan A, for every little thing in eternity. In Ephesians 11, we see the word purpose. And as well as meaning that God will never stray from that perfect plan A that was originally come up with. He has put it into practice, and that's the way things will play out. There's nothing out of the plan that will happen as nothing can be can create itself, and there's nothing in that plan that will surprise God. Nothing was hidden from him from the very start. There's no hidden cost from the original quote that God put together. Then we have in Ephesians 11 the next word, predestined. God's plan A will always come to pass. He guarantees that. He has a plan. He has planned things to go that to go and how they will work. He is predestined from according to his purpose that was achieved through the counsel of his will as a perfect plan that will never fail. God is sovereign in all areas. He has full control from the beginning through all eternity as he is the architect, he is the builder, and he is the manager of all things. And through this life, there's not a single molecule out of place. There's not a single thing in it that's in its wrong place. There's not a single thing that can outsmart or overthrow God's control, who knows all and has predestined the way things will turn out. Knowing that, knowing this, that everything has been predestined by God, we know that he is sovereign in all areas of our life. In creation, he was sovereign. It was, first, there was nothing, and now there is everything. In Genesis 1.1, it talks about the creation of the world. What says Genesis 1.1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form or void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. God separated the lightness from the darkness. If you go on, it talks about how the rest of the world was created, and all God did was had to speak. God was fully sovereign over all creation. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Um, as a sparky, this would be awesome to do, as it would cut my job times in half, but <laughs> that's not the point. Um, what God said and what he commanded to do, and it was done. Nothing challenged him. Nothing said, I don't want to do this. Nothing stood up and decided not to um, be formed. Nothing. He didn't flick a switch and nothing happened. God spoke and it was done. And it was done in an instant. It happened because he is sovereign over all things. He was in full control and had full authority over all things being created. Every molecule, every animal, every blade of grass in the right place, even every weed, and nothing, and nothing going out on its own or challenging what God was sovereign over. In Psalm 135, in verse 6 to 12, it says,
whatever whatever the Lord pleases, he does in earth and on heaven, in the seas and all the deep. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the ends of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from the storehouse. He was the was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast. He was in the midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their lands a heritage, a heritage to his people of Israel. Basically in this psalm, we can say that God is sovereign over all things. He has predestined the times things should be and the times they should not be. And all his purpose is done by the will of his counsel, as we know from Ephesians 1. In saying that God, in saying that God is, has sovereignty over all creation and in history. Every event and everyone who's been involved in events over the, over the time, God has placed it. He's completely, completely under his full control. From every prime minister to every president, to everyone that has shaped the world and everyone who just exists, has all been predestined for the time and the moment by God in full control of every situation. He put the plan together before the foundation of the earth. Depending on who you ask at the moment, um, the response will be a bit different of who's in charge of Australia at the moment. Some people say the prime minister, some people might say the devil. Some people, a lot of people say coronavirus. A select few would even go as far as say the vegans are in control. But in the end, God, but in the end, God has pointed and allowed things to happen for His good and perfect will. God is in full charge and control of all aspects. Psalm 33, 10 to 17. The Lord brings counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man. For where he sits enthroned and looks out on all inhabitants of the earth. He fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope of salvation. And by its great might, it can't rescue. We see again in verse 11 that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The original plan will never fail. But it also talks about how God who created the world also rules the world. There is no power that can overthrow God's plan. As it says, the war horse is a false hope of salvation. No matter who is in control of a certain part of the world, their plan will always be what God allows and predestines to fit into his plan, as God does not rule certain territories, but he rules the whole world and everything in it. There's not a single thing that we can do to throw a spanner in in the work of God's plans. As we can see, no matter how powerful you think you are, God is great and so is his plan. And as we see in Genesis 11, 1, uh, 11, 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same, and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Syrah and settled there. And they said one to one another, come, let's make bricks and burn them for the as they had bricks for stone and bitumen 
from water. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower, and a tower with its tops in the heavens. Let us make the na- a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do in the will will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they, not, so they may not understand one another. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and left off, the building, left off building the city. Therefore, its name was Babel, because the Lord confused Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dis, uh, uh, dispersed them over the face of the earth. As we see, um, humans attempt to make a name for themselves, and God put an end to that. There is none more powerful than him, and he is sovereign over all creation at every time period and things that happen in history. As God is sovereign over all things, it means, means that God is sovereign in salvation. His grace will never fail. As like everything was carefully put into place at the start before God, uh, before God in the council, and put it into a predestined plan, the plan for salvation. A part was part of the plan of Christ who was predestined to die and save for us from the start of the earth. It wasn't a response to us. Yet. From that, a saving grace, uh, and that saving grace was there right for, right the way through and will never fail. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. says, even, even as he chose us in before the foundations of the earth, of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Since our salvation was predestined, at the start, it was part of God's perfect plan A. Nothing can overthrow that original plan of salvation. Every, every salvation is not a surprise to God. God is not surprised when people come to him. He knows they're going to come. But instead, it says in Ephesians, from before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be holy and blameless. Before him, your salvation is not a surprise to him. There's not a single thing that can steal you away from that salvation as part of God's perfect plan A that will never change. There will never be a surprise. surprise uh, there will never be a surprise to God by changing that plan. As Christ defeated the power of sin on the cross, when you read the story of Christ, you quickly realise that the plan of the enemy was to eliminate Christ. And that that was the plan, and ultimately the plan of evil of man was actually used as a good part of God's original plan of salvation. Even the devil has to ask God's permission before he is allowed to do anything. As I've covered before in another preach, read Job to see the control that God has over the devil. The devil has no power to act outside God's authority, making him, making him under the sovereignty of God as well. There's not a single thing in this world or universe, in heaven or hell, that can go against or act outside what God has predestined or given authority to. God is sovereign over all things. So looking at this, it should give us, a, give us great encouragement that God is in control of all things and is, full, and is in full authority over every aspect of our lives. But how does that look in our lives? 
we know that God is sovereign above all. Sometimes in life, it's hard to see that God is, has every situation under control. We know that life's hard. It's not always easy. But it's crucial to us as Christians and who we are in Christ to understand that God is sovereign in all situations, bad and good. If we look at Joseph in the Bible, as most of us know his story, but for a guy who didn't have it easy to start off with, it would have been easy to doubt that God had full, uh, doubt that God had full control and was fully sovereign over all things. I mean, he was disliked by his brothers, and through that, he was thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery, where he was taken into a taken in as a into an Egyptian house as a slave. Don't get me wrong, he started to prosper in that role but was soon falsely accused of a sin that he did not commit and thrown into prison where he was left and forgotten about for a while until he was remembered by a guy who brought him before Pharaoh. In the end, he was put in charge of all parts of Egypt, basically like a prime minister of Egypt. There are a few dark times in there where he could have easily doubted when he was in the rotting in a jail cell, when he was um, being sold into slavery, sitting in the bottom of a pit that he couldn't get out where he could have doubted the sovereignty of God in his life. But if we get to Genesis 45, 1 to 9, what says? Now, a bit of context before I read it. This is when Joseph has is leading Egypt through the, through the famine at the moment, and his brothers have just come before him, and he's about to reveal to his brothers that, that it is him. So Genesis 45, 1 to 9, says... Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that all the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed in his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am the, your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you for the remnant of the earth to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of his house and the ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus as your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down and do not tarry. So Joseph starts off in verse 5 by forgiving his brothers. Now, that's a massive move in itself when you look at what his brothers put him through. And it gives you a sense that without a doubt, Joseph knows that God was sovereign over, over his situation and in control over his life. And this is, is confirmed in verse 6, where he says, God has sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph understood that God was sovereign over his life, but that's not where it ends. If you read verse 7 and 8, in these two verses, Joseph says to his brothers, for, says to his brothers, for it was not you that sent me here, but God. And the reason was to spare, spare and save your lives. 
what not only shows that Joseph had faith that God was in full control over his life, but his brother's life as well. And that's all things happened, have played out for how God had planned it. Joseph fully understood the sovereignty of God that over his life and, was, and that his life was fully ordered by God. He understood that everything that had happened had been ordered by God for that time and at that time and that all that had happened to him had been ordered by, by God. We also see Joseph state about the predetermination of God by stating it was not you that sent me here, but God to save your lives. Gives us an insight that God had planned this out. It wasn't God just reacting to a situation. For example, that it's not God reacting that Joseph has just been thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. God didn't freak out and call a brain trust meeting with his council. But it was part of the original plan. God was not surprised by this. And it was part of the original plan that was put into place before creation of the earth. And that was lived out, not out of reaction. We also see that from these verses that Joseph has given full sovereignty to God. It also means that God has sovereignty over all the bad situations in our life. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers, an act of evil intent to get rid of him. But as we also see again, like with Christ, an act of evil intent by humans, they sent Christ to the cross with evil intent. His brothers sold Joseph to slavery by evil intent, but God still used a bad thing in our life and turned him out for the good of his perfect will. We need to have faith that things happen for the, for the good of all who believe in him. And the sovereignty of God is over everything, even in the bad things of our lives. We need to take heart in this and have faith that God is fully sovereign, as it says in Romans 8, 28, 30. What says? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those who he foreknew and also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. <coughs> we, see, we see here that all things work together for those who love God. And believe, but once again we see the sovereignty of God in the next few verses for those who He foreknew and predestined to be conformed to Him. Take heart and courage in a God that is sovereign over all areas of your life. He has called you. He has called you. He predestined you. He foreknew you. For before the creation of the earth, He called you, and know and He knows you. He's chosen you from distant past, and that will last to all eternity. It's no mistake that you are saved. It's no mistake that you're here at this time. There's no mistake that you're in the season that you're in now. It's not, not by fluke or luck. Every aspect has been carefully laid out before the beginning of the earth. And that plan was carefully planned out by God. And that perfect plan A will never fail. As God is sovereign over all areas, nothing can take what Christ has done for you away. You have been called before time and salvation is for eternity. All you need to do is put your trust in Christ and believe. Take heart that your life is not controlled by what's going on in the world, by world leaders, but instead by God. And his perfect plan will never fail. Take heart that God is sovereign. 
and the rest in the peace and knowing that even though bad times come, God is still fully in control and all things work is working for the good for all who believe. God's sovereignty is something that we need to be aware of as well, but not just aware of it, we need to believe it, as it is one of the main keys of having a Christian faith. As if we don't, as because if we don't believe that God is fully sovereign, then that opens up to every, everything up, opens up uncertainty and confusion. It even opens up uncertainty about our salvation in Christ. It can open up to the, the theory that Christ was a gamble. But for us, we know the word of God is true, and we know that God is sovereign by what the word tells us. We know that Christ was never a gamble, and it was never a gamble, but instead a well-thought-out plan that never had a chance of failing. No matter what was thrown in by the enemy, it all worked out into God's perfect plan of salvation. What we go through, what we go through, God is sovereign in all areas of our life. There is nothing that does not play out on the way that you originally planned it. So that brings me to the end of the sovereignty of God. So we'll just close in prayer. Father, we, we thank you that you're a sovereign over our lives. Lord, we thank you that you've you put together um, before the creation of the world, Father. Lord, you predestined us, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that everything works together for your will, Father, that, that um, it works together for our good, for all that who believe. And we thank you that... Even through the bad times, you're in control, Father. Even through this coronavirus, Lord, you're fully in control of it, Lord. And and we we thank you, Lord, that we're going to see, Lord, what you've been planning from the from the beginning, Father. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you continue to encourage us and hold us fast in and in you, Father. Lord, helps to stand on you as our rock, Lord, and helps to dive deep into that word, Lord, and, and fully understand who you are. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.